Hello, good afternoon, good morning. Thank you all for tuning in to the show once again. I am your host, Tavares Wilson, and as you all know, I always get the last word. So, we're going to get right into some NFL news really fast, and I wanted to talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, and I wanted to talk about the head coaching positions that have been filled so far. You know, on every head coach vacancy has been filled thus far except for one, and that is the Houston Texans, which in all honesty isn't a surprise thing at all. I mean, they're pretty much a dumpster fire right now it's with Deshaun Watson wanting to leave, J.J. Watt last season's last game press conference. And I just think it's, Excuse me. I just think it's something that a lot of coaches, especially if you're a legitimate like candidate, head coaching candidate, you're you're not gonna want to take this job. I mean, it's probably somebody you know who doesn't really have much opportunity in the league, you know, to actually get that job. I mean, they're in the, they interview Josh McCown. <laughs> I mean. No disrespect to Josh McCown. Maybe he'll be an extremely good coach, but he's never coached anything on any level. And and the prerequisites to even be a head coach, has people have always said they at least want to see you as a coordinator first. I mean, if if that doesn't tell you the dumpster fire that organization is, I don't know what will because so far, I mean, I, I I just don't know. I just don't know who's going to take that job, man. I mean, Deshaun Watson has already probably said he wants out regardless of who's hired. You're losing your franchise guy. You may lose your franchise's best player, J.J. Watt, as well, after his after he clearly expressed his discomfort. So I just don't know who's going to take the job. They said they said they are having second interviews with Eric Bieniemy and Jim Caldwell as well. So. And um, the the Bills defensive coordinator it, Leslie Frazier, I believe that's his name. His name is I'm losing his name right now. I believe it's Leslie Frazier though. And those are the three guys. And Josh McCown ended up in the mix as well. I'm I'm sure he's not getting a position because again he's never coached anything. So. I'm pretty sure he's not getting a position. If he would, if he does get a position, I would be absolutely shocked. But let's get into these guys who are around in the league and currently do have a position. I want to start off with the Brandon Staley hiring of the Los Angeles Chargers. This is an, you know, this is an internal hiring, a guy who they promoted. And in all honesty, I just think he can't mess this up. I mean, you got a talented roster. Y'all just had injuries yet again. Derrick James will be back. You got Bosa coming back. You had left. You lost Ryan Ryan Beluga to injury at one point. So I just think injuries will come back. They also will get Mike Pouncey back as well. Two really good linemen, and then you got a young good quarterback at Justin Herbert. You you got you have the ability to add another. Threatening him to throw to. I mean, I, I like his receivers already, but you know you can't never have too many playmakers. So they can they can add to that. The defense should be better with Derrick James coming back to the tail end. I think 
I really think this is like the Matt LaFleur situation. He walked into Green Bay. It's not as great because you don't have Aaron Rodgers. You know, whenever you can walk into an organization with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, that's pretty good. I mean, it's hard to not make that work. I mean, this these guys are already shown they could be a 12-win team together, so it's hard to not make that work. Next, The next thing I want to talk about is Nick Seriani, I believe. Excuse me, I'm butchering his name. The Eagles signing. And to me, man, this, this signing just, it just screams control. Like, it, this is a guy, again, who... Just a, a, a similar to Josh McCown, who's never really coached anything. I mean, he was an, an offensive assistant to the OC. He's never really coached anything. I mean, this this is a guy who is inexperienced, inexperienced, young. So, of course, the Eagles are going to have a lot of leeway with him to tell him and dictate what to do. And that's what they want. Because... They were going to they were going to move on from Carson Wentz. I don't care how anyone feels about that. They were. Carson Wentz did not look good this past season. He didn't. Jalen Hurts came into the same exact situation. Literally. The same exact situation and looked phenomenal. He I wanna say he looked like he was a short thing or something like that. But he looked compared to Carson Wentz play is what I'm you know, drawing comparisons to him. He looked way better. He looked phenomenal compared to him. And when I say that, it's like the Eagles don't care. They already invested their $132 million in Carson Wentz. They're going to make it work. Regardless if it works or not, they're going to force feed him to basically play and make it work. That's not winning organizations, man. And this shows me that that Super Bowl they won, they may not ever win another one again, the way that they're approaching this QB situation and this problem. Maybe Carson Wentz picks it back up, who knows. But from from far, from far what we know now, so far, Carson Wentz has not been the same caliber MVP he was two seasons ago. He hasn't. Was he okay the last season? Yes. But he was horrific this season. You could chalk that up to whatever you wanted to chalk it up to. Fact of the matter remains is a good quarterback will be a good quarterback regardless of the situation. Look at, <clears throat> excuse me, I've said this for years. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Do you do? Let me let me tell y'all a fun fact. Aaron Rodgers has thrown to one first round receiver his entire career. One. And y'all know who that was? It was Tavon Austin, and it happened this year. <laughs> Tavon Austin, everyone who knows, has been nothing but a bust and a scrub. Is the only first-round receiver Aaron Rodgers has ever thrown and completed a pass to. If that doesn't tell you the Packers have not done everything in their power to help their best player, I don't know what will. But let's get back to the topic. Regardless a good quarterback will look good in a situation. And this Nick Sirianni signing just shows me that the Eagles want to dictate what happens in their lineups and on the team. And to me, it's unfortunate because they have 
Their team is is not getting any younger. They're getting older, so they have a small window of success now until they have to go, go into a complete rebuild. So it's just unfortunate for me. The next sign I'm gonna talk about is Dan Campbell of the Lions. I'm gonna speak on this because this is Miami guy. You know, this is a dude that was coaching over there for us. He, man, let me say this: he is a leader amongst men. I, he is a leader amongst men. He's going to get the troops rallied. And he's a guy who you know is going to give his 110%. So he's going to get that 110% and that intensity out of his players because they will lit- it will literally reciprocate off of him. Like, it's reflective. But this is the thing. He isn't a genius when it comes to drawing up schemes or plays. He, he isn't no offensive guru. He isn't a defensive mind. He isn't no quarterback whisperer. Like, a lot of these other coaches are these days. Like, they're hired to specifically do something. He's a guy who is intense, and he will have the team play 120% each and every week. But he needs good OCs. He needs good coordinators. That's why I think him hiring Anthony Lynn was huge because I think Anthony Lynn is actually a pretty good guy. I mean, in terms of OCs. Excuse me one second, I have to go take care of something. I'll be right back, you all. Okay, you all, I'm back. Um, again, with my previous thoughts, I was speaking on Anthony Lynn. It was a good hiring for Dan Campbell. Because to me, he he's not a guy that's going to draw up plays and schemes that's going to impact or change the game or win your games. But he is a guy that will rally the troops. And the Lions have not had that energy in a very long time. I mean, Matt Patricia was in it. When Jim Caldwell was there, he was the guy that was moving the franchise in the right direction. But he he doesn't his intensity and energy isn't as impactful to me as Dan Campbell's is. Let's move on to the other hiring Urban Meyer for Jacksonville. Of course, Urban Meyer, the longtime Ohio State coach, you know, ran a very successful franchise over there. But here's my one true concern with Urban Meyer. How good is he truly developing quarterbacks at the next level? Because if you look at it, every Ohio State quarterback that's ever come out and came to the league has been pretty much bad. I mean, Terrell Pryor and Braxton Miller converted positions because they – were just better athletes than they were quarterbacks. Cordell, <clears throat> Cordell Jones, bad. Dwayne Haskins, it ain't looking too promising. I mean, even though I like Dwayne Haskins, I think he didn't get a fair shake with the Redskins. I mean, the Washington football team, excuse me. So maybe it turns out differently with the Steelers this coming season. Who knows? You know? And then you got, now you're going to have Justin Fields come in. And if Justin Fields doesn't work out, I don't think anyone would ever take another quarterback from Ohio State first round again. And I know we said that about Bama, but the difference between Bama and Ohio State, they haven't, Bama hasn't really had too many high prospect quarterbacks outside of Tua Tagovailoa and now Mac Jones. Everyone else, they've just been meh. You know, AJ, the AJ McCarrens of the world, they've just been meh. You know, he, we know he was only good because of the system. But, and I, 
and it's like I've said before in my show on this show. I don't believe Trevor Lawrence is this generational talent that everyone sees. I I I just don't see it. Like I see a great, I see a good enough athlete. I see great arm talent. He makes great decisions, but I believe his career record as a starter throughout high school through college is, I think, forty eight and three. It was something like that. It was something absurd. Is it? This guy's not he's not used to losing. And when he is losing, he he does not look nearly as good as he does does when he wins. And that's I'm speaking from an individual player's standpoint. He does not look good. He makes irrational decisions. He tries to play hero balls. A lot like what Carson Wentz did this previous season. He tried to do so much to the point it hurt the team. He started he makes Irrational decisions in terms of decisions down the field. He doesn't hold his composure in terms of like his pocket awareness and where he's going to have the best opportunity to get his team back in the game. And I just have to see how he's going to take that to the next level because he's going to he's going to a bad franchise. They have they do have cap room to get players. I'm not fully sure if they're going to get players, though. Just because you have cat space doesn't guarantee you you assign big-name players. They do have some talent. You know, I like DJ Chart. I like um, Robinson, their running back. But their defense, to me, has to improve if they're going to even compete in their division, let alone for a playoff spot again. So I, I have to see it first, man. Then the next next hiring I want to talk about is Robert Sala of the New York Jets. To me, this is a really good hiring. I thought Robert Sala, Robert Sala, outside of Eric Bieniemy, was the best candidate on the market. I thought he was a guy that was going to come in and be a good coach. But let me say this: the head coaching jobs that have been filled the past couple of years, and Colin Coward spoke about this a little bit on the show. And could he use it as a reason why the um, Deshaun Washington should not want to go to the Jets? And it's because no coach is guaranteed to be successful, a, a good coach. They're not. Some guys are just better coordinators than they are coaches. And when he said that, I took some things into perspective. Robert Sala was playing with a loaded defense with the 49ers. I mean, absolutely loaded. They had the best front four in the league by far. The linebackers, Fred Warner, to me, is the best young linebacker in the league. I know dudes want to say Devin White. I know they're going to say um, Darius Leonard. I think I think Fred Warner is just as good as a tackler in open field tackler, blitzer, as those guys. But I think he's just better in coverage than those guys. Devin White, I think, is the best athlete between them all, but I think technique, I think Fred Warner has that uh, over them. But anyway, so I'm, I said I say this, he has he has had a legit unit over the past two years. And this season, injuries happen. They still play tough for each other, but they still play hard for each other. They still fought to the bone and nail. But I'm not sure if he's going to get that out of the Jets. That's my only concern. 
And when he came out and said he won't be calling the defensive plays, which I didn't expect him to, but he made it seem like he won't have that much of an impact on what would be called and what scheme they'll run. Oh, that that I can't see happening. I mean, they hired you to be that defensive mind to come in, be aggressive, make this team better, lead. He he cannot do that. He cannot come in and not help lend a helping hand with maybe he just didn't want to reveal his hand, who knows, to the league that he's but it's it's obvious dude. Like you're coming in, you're the DC, you was a very good DC with the 49ers, you're coming in and you're gonna have some impact on the defensive play calls. That's no one is not going for the fact that you're not. And then the last hiring I want to speak on is Arthur Smith of the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I can see this working in two ways. It's either Arthur Smith moves on from Matt Ryan and Julio and gives himself the time and leverage to actually pan out some young talent, or he continues the endless cycle of disappointment and mediocrity. Because at this point, I've I've said this to Falcons fans on multiple occasions. As long as Matt Ryan is y'all quarterback, y'all will never win anything. I've been right about that for the past decade. <laughs> I've said, I mean, Matt Ryan has given you one really successful season and one Pro Bowl appearance where he and the Falcons absolutely blundered away a Super Bowl. But outside of that, it's been below average in Atlanta. It's it's been below average. If you if you take out Matt Ryan's MVP season, what else has he truly done to deem him as man? This guy is a great quarterback. He he threw a lot of yards in a on a team where he was the reason why they were behind sometimes in games by his bad decision-making, holding on to the ball too long, taking unnecessary hits, throwing interceptions in critical times. I mean, this guy at one point, with Julio Jones on his team, they didn't score a red zone touchdown. I think it was one season and I think four weeks straight. He threw, but threw three interceptions. I This was back in, I think that was 2018. Because it was the same year that Julio Jones had snagged a, a fade route from uh, the Patriots quarterback, I believe at the time it was Malcolm Butler, and he like he seemed angry, like it was like about time. Like to me, man, the Falcons have to realize what they have in Matt Ryan. If Arthur Smith wants to prove to this city and to that franchise that he is coming in to absolutely make a difference and change. You got it. I think you get rid of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Because I think Julio, at this point in his career, he's at best going to play 13 games. He's not the same. He's not the same Julio that he was four years ago. He can't stay healthy. He can't stay on the field. And when you can't stay on the field, when you can't stay healthy, when you always got to play through injuries, that means you're not as good as you could be. And I don't, I'm not giving you top dollar receiver money when I know you're. Not even 100%. He already struggles to find the end zone. He always has. I mean, I, I can't recall the last time Julio had a double-digit touchdown season. 
You know, he could put up all the yards he wants, but hey, at the end of the day, we got to score points. You know, and Calvin Ridley is doing that at a high clip right now with this yardage as well. And Russell Gage is looking like a very young, promising young receiver. So you you become expendable right there, Julio. Like these young guys coming in and looking really promising. I don't that doesn't bode well for you. But in other news, now that we have spoken about the coach hirings, in other news, this cute this quarterback situation, this quarterback QB market is gonna be absolutely crazy this coming offseason. Got guys like Deshaun Watson and Matt Stafford on trade block. You got guys like Dak Prescott and Ryan Fitzpatrick who are free agents or who are scheduled to hit the free agent market. And then you got some believing that Aaron Rodgers could actually be on the move, possibly. And I want to speak on the Aaron Rodgers situation a little bit because, for one, I think it's a 99.99% chance he's going to be playing for the Packers next season. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But it is that 0.1% chance he doesn't. And I say that because of the stories that have been going on. It's not because his press conference is after the game. It's not that. It's the fact that he was on Pat McFay's um, show, I believe, yesterday. And I was listening to it, and they asked him about it. Like, basically, you know, like, see how much truth is to that you wanting to go out. Like, you wanting to get out as for a trade. He said, you know, I didn't. I feel like I didn't say anything I haven't said before or haven't been discussed before. And he addressed it. He, but not once. This is this is what key. This is what's key to me. Not once did he debunk the fact that, you know, I'm not asking for a trade. This is my team. This is what I'm gonna be. He didn't do that not once. He addressed the fact that, you know, we we could address some um, situations in the offseason. You know, I have some things to ponder, think about, you know, things like that. But not once did he say that, no, I'm not asking for a trade, and no, I am not leaving this team. That's not what he said. Not one time did he even insinuate that. And then you see he asks for a contract extension to see the Green Bay Packers' loyalty to him. Let me say this, because I think this can get some legs. If the Packers don't give Rodgers this extension, there is a real possibility. Slim, very extremely slim, like I said. But there's a real possibility he could ask for a trade. And the moment he does that, oh my goodness. The the quarterback market will be on fire. Y'all think Deshaun Watson on the market is big? Imagine if Aaron freaking Rodgers hits the market. You know how many teams will line up for that? At the very least, he has four to five more years left of high play. At the very least. That that doesn't mean he's going to be arguably the best quarterback in the league, but at the at the worst, you're getting the top five to seven guy for the next five years. I mean, 
How many teams not taking that? I just think, to me, it has to be, it has to be nutted in right now. It has to be nailed in the coffin right now. It has, it just has to be, it has to be debunked if I'm the Packers. This has to be stopped now. Because if this grow legs, man, it could get, it could get ugly soon in Green Bay. But I want to get off into some NBA news now. And the first news story I want to talk about is Karis LeVert, thankfully. He had a fully successful surgery from the um, <clears throat> the lumps that were found on his, I believe it was his liver. And, you know, they removed the, the cancerous type tumors. And he is expected to make a full recovery without having to have any other surgeries or things like that. For one, that's just a beautiful thing, man. I'm, I'm glad he's okay. I'm glad that this doesn't impact his career going forward, that he can't come back. And he actually he can come back this season, so that's a great thing. And another thing I want to get into, you know, as you all know, yesterday... Kobe Bryant was it made a year with Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the rest of the passengers on that helicopter um, has has passed and it's unfortunate. It's terrible. It's sad. It's you know it's still something that has shocked the world. Unfortunately, you know, and I just I just hope that his family is okay. I hope the the other Passengers, families are okay. I just hope everyone is finding peace with such a tragedy. And it's just, it's just some things that, some things you can't explain and some things you just have to let time heal. And these are one of those things. And to, to sign off with some other NBA news, I wanted to speak a bit on about all these postponed games that have been occurring of late. And I want to address the possibility of the NBA being postponed again. And I think it's a real possibility, even though I think it's slim, because at the end of the day, the NBA knows that this is a real thing. It's not going away. The COVID-19 is not. But being the fact that a second strain, a second strain, of the disease has, you know, been manifested. I think they may consider shutting down the league again and doing a bubble again, which I I don't listen. It worked for a month and a half, two months, but I think a lot more big name players and a lot more players in general will not play in a bubble for five to six months without having the leverage or ability to go anywhere. I just don't think it'll work in in the league's favor. I don't think they should do it. To me, all they can do is try to lessen the burden as much as they can at this point. Because, honestly, I don't don't believe at all for one second they can make that work again. And in this time duration, I don't think they can make it work again. I really don't. I think it's going to be 
a flop, if I'm being honest, because guys are going to get, after after maybe a month and a half, guys are like, okay, this is just <laughs> this is not it. It's not it. But other than that, I think the league has done a good job so far handling the situations. I think a lot of games, more games have been played than they have been canceled. So that's always good. But if it gets to the point where it's starting to look like it's dead even, 50-50, and the league's starting to lose on a, a lot of money because of it, then I think it's postponed and they reconsider the bubble, which I don't, like, again, I don't think it will work with this time span and this. But that'll be the end of the show today. I, I don't have the fans Q&A today, unfortunately. I just wanted to give you all some news about the coaching jobs in the league and the league news in the NBA about COVID and how I think things are going to pan itself out. But be sure to subscribe to the channel, however you're listening to this, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, Apple, <clears throat> Apple Podcasts, Google. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. Please leave a like and a comment if you are on YouTube listening to this. And I'll see you all in the next one.